0: Welcome to Disability Discussions with the Arc of Larimer County, a podcast where we will talk about all things related to intellectual and developmental disabilities. Through special guests, upcoming events, community resources, and informational sessions, we will be your guide through understanding and supporting individuals with IDD. Please understand that although we may bring many guests onto our show, we do not provide legal advice and we do not endorse any of the services or providers on our show. My name is Jessie and I'm an advocate here at the Arc of Larimer County and I will be your host for our podcast journey. Let's dive in. welcome back everyone i'm so excited today with disability discussions because we have another one of our employees at the arc here i know i pretty much say i'm excited about every episode but that's because i am so today we are here with julian wang he is our resident peer advocate and we will talk a little bit more about what that means but julian thank you so much for coming on i'm so excited Um, I just want you to first introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. One of the really cool things about having Julian here is he has a ton of real life experience. He's also lived like a million amazing places. I feel like every time I talk to you, you're like, oh, I once lived here. I once lived there. So welcome. And just, yeah, Julian, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you?
1: So I'm... My name is Julian Wang, I'm the peer advocate here at the ARC and um, I was born in Hong Kong and then I moved to, to the United States in um, 2004 and I lived in Kansas City for my high school years and then in two, uh, 2011 I ended up moving to Fort Collins, Colorado.
0: And Julian, I just mentioned in our little intro there that you're a peer advocate. What does that mean?
1: So my definition of a peer advocate is um, somebody that actually does something alongside you. So, for example, here at the ARC, it's always a good opportunity to have somebody that has had that lived experience. In a lot of ARCs, there are people that have lived, that have done peer advocacy or advocacy in general, that are people that are professionals in that world, but there's nobody that has had that lived experience.
0: When you say lived experience, what do you mean?
1: In my definition of lived experience, they've gone through at least something similar or close to in that reality of living through it.
0: So you identify as someone that has a disability, is that right? Exactly. Okay, perfect. So that's kind of what Julian does here. He um not only helps us with like every day-to-day opportunity, and I go to him with like 5,000 questions on resources and stuff <laughs> all the time, but he does a lot of um, peer advocacy work working with other individuals that have intellectual and developmental disabilities and kind of get his voice out there, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Julian, tell us how you got connected with the ARC. You've been here... I think longer than all of us, so...
1: Yeah, I volunteered here for over 11 years at least. In some capacity, I've been a board member. I've uh, been part of People First. I've volunteered on my own time for different things and different events. Uh, As a person with a disability, you're trying to find communities that you identify or could identify with. So... In my reality, I've been trying to find people that I can associate with. Ever since I moved out here, I, don't, I didn't go to school in Fort Collins. So it's really hard to find that community that you bond with. So how I found out being part of the ARC was through People First, a grassroots self-advocacy group here.
0: Awesome, and can you tell us a little bit more about People First because I know that's one of the organizations that the Arc right now here in Laramie County sponsors, and we do a lot mm-hmm. of work with. So, what exactly is People First?
1: So, People First is a grassroots self advocacy organization that promotes the rights for people with disabilities and enhances their daily life. That's sort of a synopsis of what our mission is, and. Uh, it's by a board of people with disabilities that make decisions and they choose what they want to do and what they want to impact on. That's awesome. So we have meetings twice a month uh, Twice a month that we talk through different issues and we're like, okay, what do we want to talk about? It could be transportation, it could be housing, it could be something that's very important to a person's uh, well-being or it could be an issue that the ARC or Other groups come with and say, hey, we need somebody with a disability that has lived experience. Okay, here's a group that we can provide that lived experience.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I love what you had said a little bit earlier about having someone that has the lived experience can be a little bit different than just like an employee at the organization that hasn't been through it. And I just really want to highlight that because, you know, we as advocates can do so much and we love to help. But sometimes having someone like yourself that can really point out like some of those gaps and some of that need is amazing. So you do you meet with clients? As
1: right now, I do not meet uh, I don't have a caseload right now, okay. but I would like to build a caseload. Awesome.
0: So people can come and kind of meet with you and chat with you about self-advocacy, right?
1: Yes. And then also, uh, there's so many different ways to meet with me. So I do this thing called the Connection Call here at the ARC, and that's a group of self-advocates that just want to chat and hang out. And it's a more informal Conversation, But there are times where there are a formal presenter or somebody that comes to me. And also I do one-on-one um, consultations with people that want to talk about their disability or those issues. And they just want somebody to talk through it and say, Hey, what are the ideas or what are the issues or things like that? Yeah. Or I've had organizations reach out to me to ask for input on something. Like, um, it could be something as simple as uh, the city reaching out and saying, hey, do you have a person with a disability that could provide feedback on uh, accessibility issues? Yeah, I can go out there and do that. Uh, or yeah. something like that because
0: you've lived it, you know what's going on. I feel like that's something that's really important. We have talked, I think, on a previous podcast about the transportation grant and some transportation stuff that we're doing, and you were a huge part of that because you recognize, like, hey, we we have this problem and we need to solve it. And so I know that having your consulting services and talking to different groups is is amazing. I know firsthand. So the focus of our podcast today is on self advocacy, and we've already yeah. used that a couple times uh, today. But can you talk to me a little bit about what? is self-advocacy and who should be concerned with self-advocacy
1: so s- self-advocacy can go into many different vantage points and depending on the person i say self-advocacy is for everybody regardless of age or gender or identification of who you are you can self-advocate on an issue that you ha- you see in your community but there can also be uh, a group of self-advocates that want to advocate as a collective. So it's either an individual issue or it could be a group issue, depending on what it is. So here at the ARC, a lot of our clients are needing that help with that individual self-advocacy, but there's also group situations like policy issues or things like that that are that a greater collective can rally around.
0: Awesome. And I know that you, this is something that you're really passionate about. Um, where have you kind of done work to promote self advocacy? I know you've been involved in a lot. Can you mention a few different things?
1: So I've done so many different things, and it really depends on those opportunities. So uh, I, I would like to feed back to a original thought of what self advocacy is for me. And that is when I came to Uh, Colorado, I was looking for stuff to do and different things like that. And I I had experience being a global messenger for Special Olympics. And I did not know that was self-advocacy by sharing my story, but I did not know that that was considered self-advocacy. And so I came to the and people first and realized that is self-advocacy. I'm like, oh, I love public speaking. I love Doing different things and different opportunities, but when you don't know that word and you're already doing it, yeah. that's different to that. So that's why I, I want to. I wanted to bring us back to that, and then also, my biggest passion is employment, transportation, technology, and then uh, youth. Um, the reason why I say that is how often do you find somebody that's not like you or someone that is like you in that same age range or uh, in a community that you see, and then you realize, like, hey, by the way, I need this yeah. or something like that. And a lot of our current self-advocates that we have are people that have gone through this issue of they've already fought for something right like closing down institutions or things like that or other bigger issues that we've had like 504 or something other other realities and this is going to show my age but sort of being <laughs> funny here uh, being that I'm in part of that generation of people that got that clean break between the ADA and then all the other issues that we've had so I'm in that generation that people have done done the work before us and we are still resolving those issues after us but we have so much more than what they had absolutely so I'm in this awkward reality of what self-advocacy is because there are people that ask what is that and then they think like the school systems and other areas within life have that experience, but they're not really teaching it or they have taught it to an extent and it's very minimal.
0: Right. No, and I think that you bring up a really good point because I feel like when we talk about advocacy in general, you use that word. It seems kind of like, like a big thing, right? It seems self-advocacy too. Like, oh, I'm, you know, petitioning with my government officials to help get new legislation passed, which you've done, which is amazing, right? But that's, that's one portion, right? We want to up the minimum wage or, and institutions. But, Self-advocacy, at least what I see here, can be pretty much any opportunity for someone to speak up for themselves, whether exactly. that's Yeah, just like expressing a concern with their host home provider or we so I do a lot of work obviously in schools with younger kids and we really really stress putting in self-advocacy goals of some sort and that mm-hmm. might just be helping your kiddo raise their hand and ask for a fidget if they need one, right? Mm -hmm. Just like any time to speak up for themselves. So I think that just is a really big point on how there's a lot of, it's a broad term self-advocacy, but it's so important.
1: And and it's very complex in in that reality because we forget what is good self-advocacy. It's speaking up and asking. And and a lot of self-advocacy is relevant around decision-making. What's good decision-making? Okay, so let me say I here at the arc need help with something. For some people it might not be a very big issue, but really it is a huge issue for that individual that needs that help. So let's say assistive technology. Okay. Asking for a computer might be somebody's like, Yeah, that's a luxury, but for somebody else, it is their daily life requirements just so they can function. Right. So, so I think we have to test every option of what self-advocacy mm-hmm. is and understand that we are not best experts in that until you realize, oh, yeah, they really do need, need it. And a lot of it is looking around within our community of what are those issues are Uh, through individuals or whatever it is or group settings until you identify somebody and say, hey, they need help and a lot of help. Yeah. A lot of people have put up walls or barriers within themselves or other barriers externally that cause that issue and it keeps magnifying itself over and over again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It kind of just builds and builds. When, and this, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Julian, but when was the last time that you feel like you practiced self-advocacy yourself?
1: So I would say self-advocacy for me was when I advocated for more hours here at the ARC because I was working from 12 hours. Now I'm doing 24 hours. That was huge self-advocacy because this is a field that I want to be in. And it's so hard to get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. you just have to walk your way through being on board showing yourself volunteering having that experience in that reality and i think the biggest thing is until you know what you want and see people have to believe in it so there's two different things from just doing it as a good uh doing good at the company or organization or whatever or is it seriously promoting the best practices within the organization to make yourself better
0: right? Absolutely, as an
1: organization or a group.
0: Well, as a little aside, I love that you love your work here so much that you wanted more hours. <laughs> Amazing. We're happy to have those. And you worked, where did you work before this? Because you had a job before this, right?
1: Yeah. So I before I worked here, I worked at the Home Depot as a sort of a superhero av- uh, person. <laughs> I sort of did a bit of everything apart from any of any of the management roles. And sometimes it's like, really? How does that work for you? <laughs> yeah. I, but sometimes you have to do jobs that are not very fun or not really what your interest is. But that gave me a bedrock of income. So I can do stuff yeah. here in the self-advocacy world. But now I can... Uh, it's a lot of people that need to see and understand it To want it or be able to pay you for it Um, a lot of the reality here in self advocacy world is you need a lot of its volunteer work not paid work Mm -hmm. but there is paid opportunities but mostly it's stipends or other things but it's not very regular. so a lot of it is through finding fellowships and other things like that and that's sort of the hardest thing for people with disabilities To get that step in the door and provide a product or do something that they're interested in because there's hidden skills or things or ideas that we have that if an individual did not say something, how do you know?
0: Right. No, absolutely. And I think that's a great point. I think a lot of people struggle with that where they want like the perfect job or the perfect opportunity right out the gate. But in anything that you're doing, you know, you can learn those valuable skills that you can then use and like wait for the right position to come along and start volunteering and things like that. And then you build some of those self advocacy skills and asking for things like more hours and like understanding how to work with people and problem solve. And then that leads you to your next, your next adventure, which is amazing. You said something about a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Did you, Have you had a fellowship?
1: Yes. So that's how I sort of got my paid position here, was through a fellowship through SARTEC. Um, and that is a group through the N- National Self-Advocacy Council group called Self-Advocates Becoming Empowered. And they have a uh, technical assistance center called SARTEC, and they provide six fellowships throughout a year. I got chosen out of the six, um, six spots, and I just had to figure out a idea and then a host site and then do my project for over the year. And my project was on the barriers of self-advocacy for you.
0: Awesome. And can anyone apply for those scholarships?
1: So it has uh, – anyone can apply, but the, the window is quite narrow. So it ends up being – right at the beginning of the year. So it's like December through March is that window of opportunity and people, um, it's quite competitive. So first you have to figure out what you want to do and then you have to have a host site that or organization that wants to do it. And then from there, if you get selected, it's quite a competitive selection process and I've helped with the selection process on the back end now. So I've gone from receiving it now to helping other people.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So you're still involved then? Yes. That's amazing. And I think that a lot of people just don't know that things like that are out there. And there's, there's so many great resources, and we'll touch a little bit more about that later. But I'm so glad that you could come on and talk about it, like you said, as someone with lived experience that has actually done the fellowship. And look where it brought you. So that's amazing.
1: And that's the goal for those kind of fellowships or things like that, to give somebody a trial run of what they want to do. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. So if they like
1: it, that that gives that organization a reason to either hire them or do other things. So I did my fellowship, and then I did a, a paid work experience through DVR to GAP until I could get properly on here. And it gave more than... Uh, different experiences in that reality of stuff because there's not always a easy, clear-cut path to getting a job or something that you want to do. And I feel like we forget that DVR and other groups that provide employment services, a lot of the time, the easiest jobs are those very entry level positions, and some people are fine with that. But some people want more, or strive to get more. And a lot of it is realizing the cost of making things adaptable for a person. Yeah, might be very, not very cost. Uh, it's cost effective in the long run, but it might be there might be some uh, uh, money that you do have to put in to make things more accessible in your environment. So does that just help one person or does that benefit everybody? It benefits everybody in that building or that office environment. (laughs) Like you learn new skills. You learn how to interact with a person with disability. Not just providing a support, but how do you adjust things to tailor that to that person?
0: Absolutely. That's great. So I want to jump back a little bit to kind of your story and growing up. Growing up, do you feel like you faced certain barriers because you had a disability? And kind of what were some of those?
1: So, a lot of my barriers were being... So, I lived in Hong Kong. So, I had, A, a a language barrier. Because, you know, there's some people that knew English. Some people knew Cantonese. I went to an international school. So, that was a good thing. But it's also... The, the other opportunities, like if I were to stay there, a lot of it is um, grade-based. So it's exams and everything like that and it's very high capacity of getting stuff done. And for it's even more difficult for expats or people that are wanting to work. So let's say my basic entry-level job here in America would be 10 times harder there because... I did not have that language fluency or whatever, right. things like that. So that's one thing. On top of just the basic wanting to get any other supports or other things like that, we didn't bother the. Uh, we ended up moving before it was more important to get supports. But my parents provided supports through occupational physical therapies, other things like that getting me to my doctor's appointments, doing stuff like that. But if it wasn't for that, they would have, I think, a lot of the the delays that I had would have been more extreme.
0: Do you feel like your parents kind of supported that self-advocacy path for you? Do do they have a role in that, or do you feel like that was just you?
1: I think that was mostly – a lot of it was them leading all the way up to when I moved to – Here in the United States, because I've there, they didn't really talk about it in the school system. They did start talking about running your own IEP, start wanting to like asking you the basic questions what do you want to do? Where's your direction? Uh, What jobs do you want to do? Like stuff like that. But in a traditional sense of supports, ever since I moved to the United States, there are more supports but there's still people that are not on the wait list for waivers and stuff like that, that could use the ports. And it's just that waiting period or other things that in between stuff, it's like what organizations or groups that you want to be part of that are groups that could hang out with you to make friends or whatever it is. Um, I jokingly say to people, I can count as many hands like fingers on my hands of friends that are important to me. Yeah. And that's sometimes really sad, but that's also a reality of just general friendships. But for people with disabilities, that, that sort of... I sort of make you a little humor with it. It's like, how many of us have friends and support friends? Some of them are just natural friends and you're, you already are providing a support. Because you're within that community and you're supporting everybody within that community. Or it's like your supporters are your friends because yeah. they are supporting you. So it's like we, I, I jokingly tease about the fact that how many of people do you want to be your friends that are not just natural supporters? They are just friends.
0: Well, and I, yeah, and I think that that's a great point. I think... Like one of the biggest roles too of a friend is to be some sort of support, right, and so I would rather have like a few really good friends than yeah a lot of friends that I can't count on, but that's just me <laughs> so Julian, let's circle back. I wanna to talk to you a little bit more about like your family support and more specifically, how can parents of maybe younger kids start to introduce self advocacy and support that
1: so first, it's let's let's go down to the grassroots basic needs like picking out clothes or asking them what they want to eat or those basic decision making empower those decision making opportunities um or if they want to do something that's really big and extreme go ahead and with that safety circle within that reality provide that i'll give a great example this might be too extreme and a lot of parents freak out over this. But I asked my parents, can I fly on an airplane by myself when I was a teenager? I Before I did any of the jobs or anything that I wanted to do, my goal was in the reality I wanted to be in the transportation field. Hey, I had to have some experience doing it by myself. I couldn't have a, a parent beside me yeah. every time. So it's just like in that reality or... Advocating to be a if I wanted to learn how to drive, same thing, getting my driver's license, those but those are very big and extreme. But basic things like allowing that individual say, Hey, I want to pick out a shirt or something, you may not agree with what they are talking about, but that is what you're needing to do, right?
0: Let them have that freedom to like make their choices. And I think even with, I love what you said about some of those like even bigger opportunities and like let them do that. And I think that's amazing because you wouldn't be here today if your parents didn't let you practice that self-advocacy. And I think that even if it's like, if your kiddo wants to do something or as they get older, something that seems big or scary, not saying no right away, but like listening and just breaking that down into different parts. So maybe if you wanted to ride on an airplane by yourself and you didn't yet have any of the skills that you need for that, then that becomes a conversation, right? Of like, okay, how can we prepare you to do that and break mm-hmm. that into steps?
1: So it could be like there there's so many programs or things that allow underminers to do things. But the thing is you have to do that research and do that stuff. Some places aren't as good, and that's fine. But through that experience, you learn that is that going to be a traumatic issue or is it not? You know. Yeah. And I feel like here in America we do things really good, but there are other parts of, of the world that we don't. We
0: yeah.
1: We fall behind, and it's like, well, I wish I could do. They do so a, a program or something completely different to how we we're supposed to do so. stuff
0: right. and,
1: and I feel like in that self-advocacy vein of things regardless of like it, it's so hard for kids and families as a family unit to figure out that balance what do you allow them to do and let them do and what can they get their self out of? Because I know there are people with disabilities that are really smart, but they use their disability, their disability as an advantage to get out of that.
0: Yeah, instead of kind of like being empowered, like you can just rely on that a little bit. And so I could see how if you foster that like at a young age, then maybe that. Kind of plays into adult life. And one of the big things that I love that you said is just starting with those little decisions, even if it's picking out their own clothes or water bottles or whatever, to get them to like speak up for themselves and really have that. And in our work, one of the big things that we tell parents is talk to if you have a kiddo that has a disability and they're on an IEP, um, always try to talk to the team about having a self advocacy goal in there so that they can work on those skills at home mm-hmm. and a lot of times like if your kiddo has accommodations or things like that in their iep and we'll talk more about ieps in a different episode but we always like to tell parents like print out some of those accommodations and have your kiddo practice like pointing to the ones that they need when they need it so you can mm-hmm. start this yeah at any age right
1: but a lot of it is that learn if they can understand it let them understand it yeah but if they can't that's fine but figure like figuring it out. So I think the, the biggest thing is how do you foster that within that family dynamic? So mom and dad, you're empowering them, but how do you empower your other siblings? If you're going to give them the same opportunities, then you should provide that same opportunity, but still adapt it to that child's need with, with a person with a disability. Yeah. So I think that's, That's something that I think a lot of parents are very fearful of talking about that diagnosis or talking about those things or having those tougher conversations. Absolutely. And saying, as family dynamics, we might not be able to do everything that you want to do until you get older or something like that. I wish we could provide that opportunity, but we just can't, you know, because we have to adapt. and either find other opportunities or cool ways for that individual or somebody else to say, hey, by the way, uh, giving those breaks or that respite opportunity or letting them do their thing with somebody else or something like that. They're uh, like that health opportunity of what people with disabilities, they, they need their uh, everybody within that family dy- dynamic needs their own time, but there is also a time that you come as a collective yeah. and, and rally around somebody.
0: Absolutely. And then I think just building on those skills, you know, as you get older. People are going to need to advocate for their needs in host homes or maybe it's with healthcare, or, you know, as you get older in school, transition plan and letting people know like what your kiddo and have them speak up at their IEP meetings and just what they want to do and like those decisions and interests they have. So I think that's really awesome, valuable information. Julian, do you have anything else you want to add maybe to the adult side of self-advocacy and things to work on in that?
1: A other thing in the adult world as families and family units that this is something that I'm still trying to figure out but I think the biggest thing as a family dynamic how do you go from that youth transition of going through schools to when when you're being on that that person with a disability is on an IEP and mom and dad are gonna get sick or whatever it is or have a medical condition or something like that. What are those next steps? And are you going to walk aside that family or do they just fade out? And sometimes it's sometimes a good thing that uh family doesn't need to be around. But at some point, there's going to be having that tough conversation of who is going to take care of X, you know, when I am gone. Are you... The, the best suited person to have that conversation. Or, you may have had a sibling experience that was not great. And, there, there's a conversation that I always think about is, do you think, uh, I'll just use a, a generic name. Uh, let's say, Jimmy has a person with a disability. But Bob is his brother. Do you think Bob has the the skills to to be able and the time to provide that opportunity of supports, natural supports for that person? Okay, if they can, you need to rope them in as soon and as early as you can. But sometimes that's the hardest thing to do when they want to do their own thing. And then sometimes... But does Jimmy and Bob get along together? You know, yeah. like
0: a lot of dynamics there. <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: And I think that's the biggest thing that we miss out on is as soon as you graduate or leave the home and everything like that, you think that no one's going to deal with that issue or thing or whatever it is. But realize after this whole thing blows up and somebody gets, you know, hurt or something or get sick, or mom and dad, a, a family dynamic breaks down, and, and you are like, oh, we need to take care of Jimmy. And if they have support, natural support, that's better. But until... You can't wait until the last minute for that natural support to
0: Yeah, there. just kind of fostering and building that relationship over the years, so that it's there if you know they if they need it later in life. That's great advice, Julian. I haven't heard that, and I really love that, especially because I'm a big family person. So, yeah. I love you have amazing insight, and so I'm super happy that you are here to talk to us with about self advocacy. Um, one of my last questions and this is something that I ask most people in my podcast, do you have a favorite memory either here at the ARC or associated with self-advocacy or anything that you want to share?
1: So this is something really cool that I get to do on, on almost a yearly basis. And I, um, there's this thing called Public Policy Seminar, and it's in Washington, D.C. through um, the ARC and a lot of other self-advocacy organizations. All meet together around in March and we get to go and talk to legislators about different issues within your state or different things. And it also gives a, a good way for everybody to sit down and talk about, it could be voting, it could be education, it could be federal funds, it could be a variety of different issues. And we get the latest information. You have people share their story or they learn how to advocate for that big issue policy yeah. thing or you hear updates. And it was fun. Um, last year, I got asked by ARC National to help with uh, public policy and they were like, uh, can you help at the rally next year?
0: That's so cool, <laughs> uh, Julian. And,
1: and I was like, that's so cool. Like, But that's when you, show up to conferences or regular conferences and you're like, people get to know you and give you opportunities to do something. Yeah. But in that reality, I don't take that for granted, but sometimes you, until you have somebody that has a lived experience that wants to go and learn it, uh, it is great to learn those opportunities. And I think the biggest thing is, you don't have to do an organized event to go and do it because your legislators and government people always do want to talk to you. Yeah. It, it just, you may not agree
0: with that. <laughs> but it's always good to get your voice out there and just address it and, yeah. and share your thoughts. And like you said, that lived experience. So, what a cool opportunity. And I would encourage everyone to do that. Um, so, Julian, I know that you are scheduling clients for like one-on-ones. So if anyone is interested in scheduling or learning more about, um, Advocacy, or I guess, peer advocacy and um, self advocacy in particular, they can reach out to the ARC. Go to our website. Julian's contact information is on there, so you're mm. welcome. That could be families who want to know how to support their kiddos, or adults that need help with self advocacy. Um, you're you're open, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Very game.
0: Awesome. awesome. So feel free to reach out. Um, thank you so much for being on our podcast. This was amazing. And then last thing, Julian, any resources that you? Really like that talk a little bit about self-advocacy that you could share?
1: Sure. I have a, a resource document that I have a master list oh. of different resources. Oh. So if anybody is interested, we'll figure out a way to either get those resources up or figure out, um, reach out to an advocate like myself or any of the advocates here at the ARC and they can figure out a way to get that resource list to you. There are a bunch of other resources on the ARCS website. Um, the other thing is in that reality it
0: just
1: it, it has to be very tailored to
0: yeah.
1: very individual things. So I think we just need to figure that out.
0: Perfect. So if you want more resources or support or anything, please feel free to reach out to us or reach out to Julian. His info is on our website. You can also, we have the comment form up under the podcast tab on our website. So if you have comments or you want resources that way, if you leave us a note, we can certainly get you connected. So Mm
1: -hmm. once
0: again, thank you so much for being on Julian. You were amazing. Thank you. Awesome. All right, everyone, I just wanted to wrap up today with a few different events that are going on. I'm trying to use this podcast to also keep everyone posted on different opportunities in Larimer County. So I wanted to start out. I know that we're wrapping up 2022, so kind of looking ahead into 2023. The Fort Collins Macaroni Kid is hosting a 2023 preschool and kids activity fairs. So there'll be a lot of different information in all the different preschools in the area, different booths, different activities, ways to get your kiddos involved. So if that's something that you're interested in, that is January 28th from 10 to 1 at the Lincoln Center here in Fort Collins. That's one opportunity, go out, learn a little bit more about what's what's around us. Another really awesome event that's coming up that I'm so excited about is Night to Shine. So Northern Colorado participates in Tim Tebow Foundation's Night to Shine event. If you're unfamiliar with this, this is where um, individuals that have disabilities can all gather and on the same night all over the country, they host a prom. And so a lot of the churches in Northern Colorado team up because it's a huge event with hundreds of people that go. And this year it is back in person and it is going to be hosted here in northern Colorado at Timberline Church in Fort Collins. So that's a really awesome opportunity. It is free to participate for anyone 14 and older. They're also always looking for a ton of volunteers and it's just a really cool experience. There's dancing and food and everyone dresses up and they all get dates and um, there's kind of a, a... really awesome environment and just an amazing experience so I highly recommend checking that out and getting your your kids or if you want to sign yourself up that's really amazing opportunity and then looking ahead at what the ARC is going to be doing this coming year I'm also really excited about that because we do host a lot of different workshops So January 10th, we're doing a transition workshop in kind of partnership at Thompson School District. So that'll be at the Family Center. So that's gonna be about special education students and that transition age when they're starting to hit that high school 15, 16 age and, and what to expect from that continuing down the low, down the road, uh, we do a lot of guardianship clinics here. so it's going to be learning all about guardianship, less restrictive options as your your kiddos or adults start to start to get older. We are doing a workshop on that here at the Arc in Fort Collins on January 12th, February 9th and March 9th from 6 to 7. We are also hosting a verbal de-escalation tips and tricks workshop that will also be here. That will be February 23rd from 6 to 7:30. So if you're looking for some, some new strategies and want to feel better prepared and in supporting individuals that might start to get escalated, come check that out. And then I think our last one here is going to be a workshop on understanding special education evaluation. So we're going to break down a lot of the different evaluations that schools do or that you can request, what they mean, what they tell us, just so you have a better understanding of, of how to support your kiddo in school and, and what to ask for. So that'll be March 23rd from 6 to 7. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for some of these events. If you want more information, head over to our website. We are now up on Apple Podcasts, which is super exciting. So you can see us on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts. And I know I mention this every week, but if there are things you're interested in learning more about or topic suggestions or anything like that, if you have feedback, comments, we would love to hear it. Head on over to our ARC website and there's a podcast link and you can submit all of your feedback. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day.